Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. 2020, the year in politics. For that, we turn to John Nichols, Gorsi's national affairs correspondent for The Nation. We reached him today at home in Madison. John, welcome back. It's an honor to be with you, John. Well, 2020 is certainly ending with a bang. We're speaking in as Trump is fighting for his demand that Congress should give $2,000 to every American instead of just 600 The Republicans, of course, pressured in, him into signing the bill with the 600 It's It's amazing that Trump didn't come up with this before the election. I mean, he might actually have won. And now the Republicans in Georgia are saying they want the 2000 I wonder, do you think the Senate will do this to win in Georgia? Well, I, I will assure you that Mitch McConnell would do anything to win in Georgia. And I mean, including something that was actually good for the American people. (laughs) The bottom line is that uh, Mitch McConnell's in a desperate position and he's been put there by Donald Trump. It's a fascinating reality and it does speak to, you know, kind of all the craziness of 2020 because at the end of the day, 2020 was the year that showed us just how desperate and extreme and damaged Donald Trump is as an individual and as a political player. And uh, when you are as much of a mess as this guy is, you will ultimately turn on your own. And, And that's what he's done. The important thing to understand is Donald Trump isn't really all that concerned about getting a $2,000 check to you, John Wiener. I just want you to know that. I mean, oh, I, no. I realize you're starting to soften up on the guy a little. Heartbreak. I know. That Donald Trump, look, here's the reality. Donald Trump is furious at Mitch McConnell and the Republicans for not embracing his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, McConnell has been very supportive of Trump, but a little resistant to the actual destroying of American democracy. And so that's got Trump mad. 
And then also, you know, Trump, the two sides of his brain, the other side is thinking as much as he hates to acknowledge it, that he probably is going to have to give up the presidency and he would like to go out on a popular note, giving people lots of money. So that combination of factors has led to this uh, turn against McConnell. And it's fascinating to watch. You know, I won't make predictions uh, on what ultimately will happen in the Senate, but I will tell you that it's getting closer and closer to a point where uh, McConnell might have to swallow hard and accept something he he desperately doesn't want. Well, it's hard to remember how the year in politics began that time before COVID. Uh, But of course, some of the key political events were the Democratic primaries early in the year. New Hampshire and Nevada were won by Bernie Sanders. And we thought, Democratic Socialism, this is going to be the year. Uh, Bernie is going to you know, fight the Wall Street Democrats who Biden has represented, you know, his whole career. Bernie, of course, did get the votes of young people. He ended up with 10 million votes, but Biden ended up with 20 million votes. And to me, the real turning point came in Michigan. Uh, Bernie had won Michigan in 2016. In 2020, Biden won every county of Michigan. So my question for you is, what happened to Bernie in 2020? The answer is that in many senses, Bernie is still Bernie, is still doing exactly what he's always done. Remember, this is not a guy who lusted after the presidency. His was a policy-oriented, project-oriented candidacy. If he'd become president, he would have been thrilled because of what he could have done with the office. But it wasn't that sort of ego-driven thing. And it's notable that just a moment ago, we were talking about the fight over the $2,000 direct payments. Uh, that's being driven by Bernie Sanders. He's the one who upended McConnell's plans in the Senate by uh, threatening and apparently implementing a filibuster. So, uh, you know, what happened to Bernie Sanders was much more complex than than your usual presidential politics. After the South Carolina vote, which went to Biden and, and gave Biden a real boost, there was a recognition that it was either going to be Biden or Sanders. The basically the whole of the political upper the, the leadership of, of the Democratic Party and, and its leading candidates all coalesced around Biden. Even that might not have been enough to upend an ongoing Sanders campaign. Even whether Sanders got to the nomination, perhaps not, but at least carrying on and 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 being much more of a force. But then once you saw that, you know, kind of stumble frankly, in Super Tuesday, Sanders didn't do as well as expected. Then within days, you had COVID. And they were literally canceling mass rallies in Ohio and in other states. And and that that was really the end of it. I interviewed Sanders a number of times as this was happening. And in late March, he was he was still intent on carrying on, but you could tell he was sort of aching to get back on the road, to get back you know, to be out there with those rallies, be out there with the crowds, and frankly, to be leading a campaign that was all about going door to door and about having masses of young volunteers working, working, you know, the at, in the at the grassroots, and um, that became impossible. Simply became impossible. And Sanders made a decision in early April that he was done, that that he wasn't going to pursue uh, a candidacy that was not going to prevail 
and that would detract from something that you know I think he that he thought was a defining moment in our history, and that is a the struggle to get Donald Trump out of the White House, and b the struggle to deal with a pandemic that has created mass unemployment. And and so what happened to Bernie Sanders is he was Bernie Sanders. He did he did what he thought he did what he thought he had to do and uh, gave up on a candidacy that meant a lot to him and meant a lot to, to his supporters in order to focus on an ongoing struggle for economic and social and racial justice. And then the next big thing, summer came and after Memorial Day, after George Floyd was murdered by the police in Minneapolis, Black Lives Matter took to the streets with millions of people in hundreds of cities and towns. The biggest protest movement in American history. I think it played a part in the campaign, too. Black Lives Matter was very interested in not just in the streets, but also in the ballot box. What's your assessment of the political impact of the biggest protest movement in American history? Well, I think the biggest protest movement in American history was necessary because this country has failed uh, for 400 years to deal with with fundamental issues. Uh, And under Democratic and Republican presidents has failed to address uh, systemic racism, not just in policing, but well beyond it. And Ilhan Omar, the congresswoman from Minneapolis, uh, who actually represents the district where George Floyd was killed by the police, um, uh, Ilhan Omar has made a point immediately that this is about something much bigger. Yes, there has to be policing reform. Yes, there has to be uh, criminal justice reform and change, fundamental change there. But then you've got to get into the whole of our politics, the whole of our governance. And and we had some real progress there. I think the, the fascinating thing is the polling on it showed that um, Americans were ready, much more prepared for this than expected. Now, here's where the key test came in. It was a fascinating one. Through the summer, you saw additional incidents with uh, obviously the rise of concern about the the killing of Breonna Taylor, the uh, shooting of Jacob Blake in uh, Kenosha, Wisconsin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And and it was clear the problem wasn't going away, that the demonstrations had to continue, that the the movement had to continue to press, not merely on the, the basic demands for an end to police violence, but also on this broader issues. And uh, Trump tried to turn that into his quote unquote winning issue, his political issue. It was a way to divert attention away from his failure to deal with COVID-19, but also an attempt to sort of spur the traditional backlash vote. Now, here's the fascinating thing. Despite Trump's vicious, cruel, clearly racist campaigning uh, in Minnesota, Wisconsin, remember Minnesota where George Floyd was killed, Wisconsin where Jacob Blake was, was shot, in Michigan, in Pennsylvania, down in Georgia, all these, he lost them all. And now these weren't always by the widest margins, it wasn't always what I would have liked to have seen, but the fundamental reality is that Trump's attempt at the presidential level to stir a backlash that might've reelected him failed. That's a big deal. And it ought to be a lesson for Democrats. Uh, I know that there were centrist Democrats who tried to suggest that campaigning for against police violence, talk about defunding the police, things of that nature, harmed the Democratic Party. But I would argue that if you look more deeply at, at the issues, what you're going to find is that in the polling, 
people are prepared for fundamental change, much more prepared than, than I think a lot of Democratic Party leadership believe. And it's absolutely vital, it's vital that the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress continue to pursue these issues as well as Democratic leaders at the state and local level. I don't think there's a political danger to being strong in favor of the reforms that are necessary. I think it's a politically advantageous thing. And I do believe the election results tell us that. Um, so uh, what Black Lives Matter did, what its allies did this year was vitally important to placing issues at the center of our politics where they needed to be. And also to, I think, I hope, uh, transforming the approach of the Democratic Party to fundamental questions of not just police violence, but systemic racism. Big deal, a very big deal for this year. What struck me about election day was all the things that didn't happen that our friends were so worried about. There were no armed right-wing militias in the streets. There was no military coup by Trump. There was no civil war. Election day was pretty peaceful and ordinary. I mean, most people voted by mail, it turned out. Well, not most, but lots of people voted by mail. That certainly helped. And then we were sure that Trump's Supreme Court was going to support him in not just one replay of Bush v. Gore, but dozens. And the Supreme Court refused to hear a single one of the 50 cases. The states, the state Supreme Court, Wisconsin Supreme Court, Wisconsin's legislature all refused to go along with Trump's plan. So what surprised me was all the things that didn't happen that we feared were going to happen. Do you think we were just crazy to be worried about those things? Trump certainly said he wanted to do them. And then why didn't they happen? No, I don't think we were crazy to worry about those things at all. I think America had a democracy stress test in, in 2020, and it barely survived. You know, understand that uh, Donald Trump got 73 million votes for president of the United States. He did not lose by the margin that he should have lost by. And he got more He got more votes than any candidate in history, except for Joe Biden. That's right. And now Biden's victory was a substantial victory, and it's an important one. It's important to understand that Biden won by a wider margin, a, a wider margin than John Kennedy in 60, than Richard Nixon in 68, than uh, Jimmy Carter in in seventy six, then Clinton in the in the nineties, then Bush in the two thousands. He did have a real win, and in fact, he got the highest percentage of, of votes for of the vote for a challenger to a sitting president since Franklin Roosevelt defeated Herbert Hoover in nineteen thirty two. So, not to take away from Biden's victory, but the the simple reality is that this is a deeply divided country. And Trump had a strategy to exploit those divisions. What saved us from that exploitation of those divisions was the fact that grassroots campaigners swung not just one or two or three states, but a whole bunch of states. And that's the critical element here. Trump thought that he had a chance to win, or at least to make it very, very close in Minnesota, which had been close in 2016, in Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada. Now, here's the interesting thing. Every one of those states went for Biden. They didn't go by always by big margins. Some Michigan, Minnesota did go by substantial margins, but they, they did go for Biden. And the interesting part about that is that it 
it comes back to grassroots campaigners, particularly in the, in cities like Minneapolis, Milwaukee, Detroit, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Atlanta, Phoenix, Las Vegas, who did the hard work and they, they pulled it across. Now, had you ended up in a situation where it came down to one state, as it did with Florida, or even two states, I think that that this democracy stress test would have been a much more serious circumstance, and it might not have gone as well as people think. You might have gotten up to the Supreme Court there. You might have had that, that intense ongoing fight that you had in Florida. One final thing, though, that's different from 2000 and or from the year 2000 with the Bush v. Gore is that a number of the close states, not all of them, but a number of them had Democratic governors, so you didn't have what you had in Florida. That's the case of uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and the two Republican-led states that that flipped, Georgia and Arizona. Trump, who is a transactional politician, he assumes he gives you something, you're going to do what he tells you to do. He did not have the the loyalty of the Republicans who were running the elections there. I mean, they they were willing to stand up to him. I'm not going to try and make them heroes for simply doing the right thing, but they did do the right thing uh, in Arizona and in Georgia, and that made Trump furious. But it also essentially made the the possibility of mounting the sort of challenges that he had planned on essentially undoable. Finally, he hired a really bad legal team. <laughs> There's another way of putting that. He couldn't get any good lawyers to work on this nutty plan. Uh, you are correct, but I, I, I just cannot emphasize. When we go back to Bush v. Gore, and I wrote a book about it. In Bush v. Gore, you had the top lawyers in Florida and in Washington working for Bush and Cheney. This time, you had Rudy Giuliani and people who don't rise to Giuliani's level of legal skill standing in the parking lot at Four Seasons Lawn Care or whatever, you know, doing literally comic press conferences. And uh, and don't underestimate, again, I keep coming back to this concept of a democracy stress test. Don't underestimate that hiring and, and relying on the gang that couldn't shoot straight made it much easier to beat Trump. And that's a big deal because we shouldn't be spending too much time patting ourselves on the back. We should recognize we dodged something awful, but the vulnerabilities are still there. John Nichols, freedomatthenation.com. John, it's great to have you on the show today. An honor to be with you, my friend. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com. And you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.